With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high-milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right, 50% off, half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Seat Podcast. This is episode number 202. Uh, I am Matt Collins. I'm going to be doing the hosting duties today, and I am joined today by Jake, Jake Devereaux. Jake, what's going on, man? 
Uh, not too much, Matt. Happy to be back for another episode. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've been on together, so uh, except for yeah, I, I think it, yeah, except for the emergency episode. But uh, for a proper show, it's been I don't know what like a month. Kind of weird. I I don't have any sense of time at this point. You can tell me it's been <laughs> six years or six days. I I have no idea. Yeah, well, every day. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off on a happy note, as as per usual. Uh, yeah, so, like I said, we talked over the weekend, uh, we talked about the Andrew Benatendi trade, uh, we're not gonna really spend much time on that at all today, because we already covered that, but one thing that did happen while we were recording that, um, right towards the end was Marwin Gonzalez officially signed, or not officially, but reportedly signed a deal with the Red Sox, um, who knows how long that will take to actually be official, uh, but he is coming to the Red Sox, it is a one-year deal, base salary, three million, it's about a million dollars in uh, playing time bonuses on top of that. But, I mean, the Red Sox have been connected to Gonzalez in rumors for, I don't know, like a month now. Um, so not really something that snuck up on us. Do you like the fit? Do you like the deal? Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, specifically, I like it because it's a one-year, $3 million contract. So it just feels tremendously low risk. Um we outlined a few of the reasons why Marvin Gonzalez was an attractive player and also a few of the reasons why he was not an attractive player. I mean, he's he's certainly not the guy who he was in 2017, the trash can year, um, although I was listening to a different podcast and they, uh, the Sox Prospects podcast had pointed out that he actually had better splits on the road um, that year, which is kind of interesting because we think of all of his performance that year as being a product of of what was going on but um, regardless I mean Marwin Gonzalez is a fine bat he's a switch hitter he plays all over the diamond which uh, enables them to do a lot of things and um, you know I think it's tremendously low risk because if he doesn't work out they can just simply DFA him and not worry about it too much so it seems to make a whole lot of sense yeah I was down on it when we were talking about it the other day, um, pretty clearly. A lot of that is because I had been thinking he was going to get at least two years. Um, Fangraph's readers, their reader poll had projected two years for $16 million, and generally speaking, they've been a little bit lower than what the actual contracts have come out to, so I was just kind of assuming two sixteen was kind of the baseline. Um, so that was, I mean, I would have been upset at a two-year deal, for Gonzalez, but I, yeah, I mean, 1-3, that's, that's nothing. That's like what I expected Mitch Moreland to get. Um, so, I mean, like you said, you listed out all the reasons. He's a little bit below average at the plate, um, but can play all over the place. Opens up just a ton of opportunities for this Red Sox lineup and Alex Cora and how he can kind of get anybody, everybody in and out. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a... Not a game-changing move, but it's it's good enough. Were you? I mean, were you surprised surprised by surprised as me by how little they took? Yeah, it really was, especially for a guy who was a hot commodity just a few years ago. Um, and he, you know, he wasn't terrible with the Twins when he signed that deal. So um, he was pretty terrible. Last you year. know, yeah, he had a but like twenty. Yeah, no, you know, no, like no, totally. what do we what do we say about that? Um, and, and the. Positional versatility here just opens up so many interesting avenues on this roster. So there's a real possibility that they run with a three-man bench because of this, with Pulecki as the catcher and Arroyo and Marvin Gonzalez 
uh, being super subs everywhere um, with Enrique Hernandez uh, on this roster as well. Because Hernandez, we know, is going to play second in probably some center field. And then Marwin Gonzalez can play the corner positions. He can also play first base. He can play uh, second base if he needs to. He can play third base. Um, he can play everywhere. And then Christian Arroyo has played short, second, and third as well. Um, so really, between those three guys, Kike, Arroyo, and, and Marwin, they can really cover everything. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, we'll get we'll get to the bench in a little bit. Um, but as far as Marwin specifically goes, where do you think he's going to play the most? I think if I had to guess, he's going to play the most at first base. I think he's going to split time there with Bobby Dahlbeck a good amount, and I think that he will play end up playing a decent amount of second base um, on days when uh, Hernandez is in center field. Yeah, I thought... I was a little surprised when I looked. I thought that Gonzalez had played more second base in his career than he actually has. Um he hasn't played a whole lot there. He's never played more than looks like 32 games. Um, never started more than 19. Um, I think that's where it makes the most sense. Um, obviously this is barring any other additions, uh, which we'll get to in a second as well. But I just, I continue to think that the best way to manage this roster is with Hernandez in center. And then that opens up second base. And I feel like that's where, the most opportunities come from Marwin Gonzalez. I mean, I don't think that... I think that Bobby Dalbeck is going to play a little more than it sounds like you do. I think that Cordero is going to get a good amount of time, at least to start of the year in left field. Obviously, the left side of the infield is locked down pretty tight. It just seems like second base is where the most opportunities are, but I don't know. It seems like they're really rolling with Hernandez as second baseman. It just... Maybe I'm just totally misreading that because that just makes no sense to me, to be honest. Yeah, um, it's hard to know what exactly Bloom has in mind, but um, I, I don't have a problem with them rolling as with Verdugo as pretty much the everyday center fielder. My issue isn't because so much, he is so young. Yeah, my issue isn't with Verdugo at center field. It's that that makes basically Hunter Renfro an everyday player. That's my issue. Unless you're throwing Marlon yeah. Gonzalez in right field, which I guess you can do. Right. That that's the other thing I was thinking is that Marwin could play right. Yeah, I guess I don't know enough about his outfield defense to know how I feel about that at Fenway. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely think that you'll see at least one game a week where Hernandez is in center field. But that also might mean that Verdugo's in right on those days. Well that's what I that's what I think is the best I think that's the best version of this team is if the way it's constructed right now, obviously if they bring in another center fielder, that changes. But I think Hernandez and center Verdugo and right, uh, Cordero and Renfro platooning and left, and then Gonzalez at second base, obviously you can, that's not that doesn't have to be set in stone. The versatility means you can move guys around, but I think that as a base lineup is the best possible version of this team. There also might be an argument for playing Renfro and Cordero um, more than you might want them to, to see what you have in them, specifically with Cordero. I mean, 
health has been the limiting factor to getting him on the field over the course of his career. So you might want to see what he looks like healthy in an everyday role. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that's... It depends on how you're looking at the season, I guess. I was just talking about what I think is the going to give you the most wins. Um, yep. But I think there's definitely a good argument that even that version of the team that I think is the best still isn't a playoff team, so you might as well do that. I just... I guess I'm just not very excited about Hunter Renfro. I don't really need to see more, but I think I'm probably lower on him than a lot of people, and maybe he'll surprise me. Well, you're definitely lower on him than Keaton is. He's pretty much can't get over the fact that Hunter Renfro's part of this team. In a good way? Yeah, he's obsessed with... So, one thing you have to know about Keaton is that he's been obsessed with Hunter Renfro and Garrett Richards for, like, the last five years. Richards, I can see. Renfro's um, a little weird. Yeah, well, he's a weird guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's pretty much living his best life now that both of them are members of the Red Sox. I'm glad somebody so. is. Um, yeah. I'm pretty psyched about Richards. Um, Me too. I mean, I'm not expecting a ton just because, you know, his history and all that. Even even if you, even if the injury history is a little overblown, which I think it is and a lot of people have argued for, he still hasn't thrown a lot. Like The workload is still a major concern. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that, but I, I'm very excited for the talent, and uh, I think that he's going to be a fun player to watch every time he's on the mound. As long as he still has that mustache, that, that should be true. All right. <laughs> uh, last Marvin Gonzalez thing. Uh, what, in terms of, like, we'll start with playing time, just how many games are you expecting? Um... Games, huh? Uh, or plate appearances. I, I always think of things in terms of more of plate appearances. Yeah, plate appearances so. so, I think he's going to get four hundred to four fifty plate appearances pretty easily. Yeah, I think I'd go higher than that. I feel like he's almost an everyday player. I'd go. I'm tempted to go five hundred. That might be a little much, but four fifty to five hundred range, I think. Um, well, he was 500 plus every year, 2016, 2017, Yeah. So, yeah, you're probably right, Matt. I'm probably lowballing it here. I was thinking 450 was going to be kind of aggressive, but, you know, given his history, um, 500 seems pretty well within range, especially if they're running with a three-man bench. Yeah, and there's just there's so many places where you can see underperformance where they just need somebody to play all the time between... Renfro and Cordero, and then Dahlbeck, who knows what happens with him. Um, who knows what they think about the outfield defense. They move Hernandez out there more. Uh, I'm not very high on Christian Arroyo. Um, yeah, it just feels like there's too many opportunities for him not to play a lot. Yeah, and uh, the fact that he's a career 261 hitter against both lefties and righties uh, makes it so I think that he'll be in the lineup quite a bit. Yeah, he doesn't have to be platooned or anything like that, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, so, with Gonzalez signing, um, some people have said that it seems like the roster is finished. I'm curious where you stand on that. Do you think that you should sign another player or two? Well, initially, uh, my my first reaction was that they still had room for another bench piece. Um, and I've kind of talked myself out of that after looking at you know people who were better at this stuff than I am at their arguments for why a three-man bench would work. Um, and I do think that it does make a lot of sense considering 
the weirdness about pitching uh, in a season after COVID. I think having more arms as options makes a lot of sense. So I kind of do think that that is the route that makes the most sense for this year. I still am much more of a proponent of a four-man bench than having a bigger bullpen. I think that that's generally the way that I'd prefer things to go. But with this year, I think that that's how they're going to start the year. So I do think that they are done adding to this team at this point. I'd be really surprised if there was anything added to this 26-man at this point. I think I would be surprised too, but I don't agree that it's the best way to go. Um, I get where you're coming from with the pitching issues, and I think that is a thing, but at the same time, 13 pitchers is still a lot of pitchers, and between guys like Hernandez and Andres and Whitlock, um, they have guys that can go multiple innings. They have guys with options, and Taylor and Valdez, um, who can go up and down when you need a fresh arm. I think you can work your way around that, and I just feel like this team is more complete if they can sign, whether it's a Kevin Pillar or a... Mitch Moreland or um, whoever's still out there for second base, um, that that pool is kind of shrinking a little bit. Um, but I mean, Brad Miller could make some sense. I just feel like there's going to be injuries in camp. It, there's a if there is an injury to a position player, all of a sudden you have Michael Chavis as part of a three man bench. I don't like that or Yairo Munoz. Right. So. I, I would I would like to see one more position player added. I I agree that I don't think it's going to happen, but I would that's the way I would rule. Yeah, the the initial thought for me was that it should be one of either Kevin Pillar or Mitch Moreland uh, being added to this mix, um, and the guy who I would take out of the bullpen would be probably Austin Bryce. I know that he's this spin rate darling, um, and he has a pretty good strikeout rate and stuff like that, but. You know he's the he, he didn't really impress me too much last year, so that would be the guy who I would personally remove uh, from the bullpen. Um, and it, I think if they were to go that route, the guy who I would want them to get is Kevin Pillar uh, over over Mitch Moreland at this point because I feel like Marwin um, Marwin can do that uh, Mitch Moreland role, um, and I think he can do it fine. I think Kevin Pillar gives you more flexibility late in games to have a better defensive alignment, um, and it will allow you to use Hernandez more uh, at second base. Um, so I, I think that just generally that's the fit that's best for the team. And if they were to sign Pilar, uh and, and get rid of one of the relievers, I think that that would be totally fine. Yeah, I think I agree. My head says Pilar is the right move my heart says Moreland um I don't know what it is about Mitch Moreland man but he's he's fun to root for um <laughs> the other part of this is that yeah. these I mean we're getting late in the offseason especially a guy like Mitch Moreland or like a Brad Miller they might be minor league signings at this point um especially yeah, if they seriously. want to get to camp on time and I think Pilar probably gets a major league deal um whenever Jackie Bradley Jr. signs he'll probably sign like the next day with somebody um, but I, I, I guess I do agree. Um, just having somebody else who can play center field really helps this roster a lot. Um, 
You brought up the bullpen, so I want to look at the bullpen a little bit because there are some interesting decisions to be made here uh, by the end of camp. So I think let's start with the locks. I think there are six locks the way I see it. Uh, Matt Barnes, Adam Adamino, uh, Salamora, Darwin and Hernandez, and Therese and Prazier. Um, agree that they're all locks? Yes. The one guy who I'm like a tiny bit on the fence about is Brazier. Yeah, I figured he would. He, yeah. Just because he's making a little bit more money and uh, you know his performance was a little bit up and down over the last two years. Yeah, I think I think people are underrating how good Brazier was last year. Um, he wasn't like a lights out arm or anything, but he had an 86 ERA minus, 71 FIP minus. Um, it's just such a small sample. Yeah, I'm sure. just hesitant to to you know if we're not going to penalize guys, I think it's unfair for us to overly reward guys. No, I, I agree, but I, I guess I would say two of the last three years he's been. I mean, he was great in 2018, uh, 2019. Yep. He was. I don't know that he was bad, but he was mediocre at best. Um, he had a really bad stretch and then was okay, uh, sort of surrounding that. And then last year, I think he was good enough that he's a lock in this bullpen. Um, he does have an option, mm-hmm. so I guess I could see that argument pushing him away. But I just don't think the competition is good enough to push him out. I think he's better than Bryson Taylor. Yeah. Well, I might quibble with Taylor, but I'm possibly too high on Josh Taylor. Um, okay, so that that would be six. So there's either two or three spots after that, depending on how many people on the bench. Uh, for it's probably between Garrett Whitlock, who is a Rule Five pick. So obviously, if they don't keep him, he goes back to the Yankees. Josh Taylor, who has an option. Phillips Valdez, who has an option, and Austin Bryce, who does not have an option. Um, right. So if only one goes, who do you think that is? Uh, Phillips Valdez. Phillips Valdez will be optioned. I think. I think so too. I think it is close between him and Taylor. Um, I do too. Could come down to health. Yeah. Well, that was the part. That was the point I was going to bring up after this, um, because as much as we always have these competitions be- before camp, somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> so it's probably yeah. not going to be uh, that much of a de- decision, anyways. Um, but I think if everybody's healthy, I think that is a legit camp battle um, between Taylor and Valdez. Um, Taylor being a lefty, I think, helps a little bit, but Valdez is Valdez is so weird. He's almost a lefty because he throws change-ups like 60% of the time. Yeah. Um, I don't totally buy into his performance last year, and I totally buy into Taylor's performance a couple of years ago, so I think that's what gives him the edge to me, but I think that'll be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, I think Taylor's the more traditional um, power kind of bullpen arm from the left side who checks a lot of boxes and I think is probably a better option when they're both healthy and uh, and going right. I think Valdez surprised a lot of people last year and I think his changeup is a legitimate weapon, um, but I'm just not sure um, what that's going to look like over the course of a full season and how long he's going to be able to keep guys off balance with that mix that he has going. Um, so yeah, all things equal, I give the give the nod to Taylor there, but Valdez really did impress me last year. He had really good command, and that changeup was awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of this also could come down to um, what kind of role they put 
Darwin's and Hernandez in. Um, if they want, if he like is firing in camp, and they come out of camp and they want him as one of like their top three guys, and they're saving it for late innings, I think that makes Taylor a lot more likely to fit the roster because then they can have Taylor for sort of the middle inning lefties um, and still be able to hold on to Hernandez for late in games. Um, but who knows what Hernandez is going to look like. Um, Do you think there's any chance Hernandez ends up as the closer by, like, May? Uh, end of May, I could see. Um, I could totally see him being the closer at some point this summer. Um, May might be a little early because I feel like they'll cycle through Barnes and Ottavino first. Um, and so two months to cycle through two guys and already have Hernandez cemented in as well. Um, unless there's injuries, seems like a little soon. But I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of has like a 2019 workman kind of ascension where he just becomes the closer sort of in the blink of an eye uh, sometime like June, July. Because you could totally see a guy his age, 24 years old, you know, if he proves to be fully healthy and his stuff is good, um, he could be like that type of guy who comes in and gets, you know, 1.2 innings uh, in, a, in a save, you know, goes more than one inning and, uh, and locks the game down. He could have that type of a workload, I think. Yeah, I think so too, but I mean, it's, I don't want to uh, count the chickens before they hatch. He's, he's got to throw more strikes. I mean, there's just, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to not buy so much into the upside here, um, just because I feel like in the past it's sort of blinded me to his issues and... I mean, you know, we know that you can work around walks in the bullpen. We've, we've watched Matt Barnes for years. We watched Craig Kimbrell for a while. Um, if your stuff is good enough, you can work around it, and Hernandez has good enough stuff. But his walk rates are at levels that you can't overcome. I mean, he's career 18% walk rate. The sample is not huge, so I'm, not, I'm certainly not burying yeah. the guy, but I, I want to see it before I really start to talk about him seriously as a closer. Yeah, that's more than fair. Um. So back to those four, if they do go with a four-man bench, I don't think either of us think that's going to happen, but if they do and they have to get rid of somebody else other than Valdez, do you think it's Taylor or do you think they move on from a guy like Bryce or Whitlock? I think they're more likely to option Taylor than they are move on from Bryce, who's out of options, or give back Whitlock. Yeah, I think so too. I think I think the only way that happens is if Bryce just looks like garbage in camp, if he's throwing like... If his fastball is down, if he's just giving up a ton of hard contact, I could see that. Um, but barring anything like that, I think they'll always opt to just keep the most depth on hand as possible. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there's also been rumors over the last like 24 hours or so. This is kind of surprising to me that they could be looking to add another reliever to the mix. Does hmm. that surprise you? That does surprise me. I you know because. Like you said, it feels pretty full at this point with these six locks and then uh, Bryce being out of options and Whitlock being a Rule 5 pick. It really leaves just the Josh Taylor spot um, if you believe they're going with a a three-man bench. But, you know, Josh Taylor does have options. So if they're looking to go this super depth role, um, I could see it. Yeah, and I mean, like we said... Injuries happen, especially this spring. It feels like there's going to be a lot of injuries. Um, so I guess I think it does. The more I think about it, the more sense I guess it makes. And there are some. I mean, there's not a ton of big names left, but there are some interesting names. I mean, Trevor Rosenthal is still out there. I don't know that they're going to go quite that far unless his market's tanked to like a Marlon Gonzalez level. 
Um, I mean, there's Brandon Workman. I don't know how excited I am about that, um, but I know some people are. Uh, Shane Green, Cam Pedrosian's a guy I've always liked. Uh, David Rod- Robertson I've always liked, although who knows what his health situation is. Um, so, the, I mean, there are some interesting names. Chaz Rowe, they're reportedly at Chaz Rowe's um, throwing Didn't center. you have Tommy John? I, he's throwing again. He just threw in front of scouts. I don't know if he's ready to come back uh, right away, but I know okay. the Red Sox did watch him throw. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are some names like that that I guess I could see. I wouldn't want to be spending big money on any of those names. Even Trevor Rosenthal I think I'm a little down on compared to some other people. Uh, but any of those names in particular stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, the obvious one, Rosenthal, just because I'm a huge proponent of having a locked-in, no-doubt, ninth-inning role uh, on the team. I think that benefits, has a trickle-down benefit on the rest of the bullpen. So I would love to see them get a guy like Rosenthal and just be like, okay, the ninth inning's his, and the rest of you guys will figure it out around him. Um, That, to me, always just seems to work the best. Um, so that would be the most interesting thing there. Yeah, I think so too. I just I don't I, I don't know. It seems like he's going to get a two year deal, and I don't see them giving out that kind of contract. I feel like they're looking for something for like a a one year deal for like three million, like Martin Gonzalez. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's 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 unlikely at this point. But I have to say that, you know, just looking at the bullpen depth options at this point, and we're talking about even optioning guys like Josh Taylor. I mean, there's just so much more depth on this team than there was going into last year. So many more interesting names. Um, even like the emergence of Edward Bizzardo and and some other options uh, just makes it a lot more interesting. It just seems like we're not going to have as many struggles to get outs this year as we did last year. Those are those are some famous last words. <laughs> well, it can't be worse, uh, man, that, right? I mean, again, famous last words. But yes, I, I would imagine that it can't be any worse. <laughs> um, all right, so this is something that we apparently have to talk about every single week because they just refuse to make any of these moves official. They did officially add um, Martin Perez after about a month uh, from what his reporting <laughs> his signing was first reported. Uh, they designated Chris Mazza for assignment. Um, mm-hmm. I was surprised by that. Were you surprised by that? No. Interesting. Um, I, I wasn't because I'm not a huge Mazza guy but also um, again 
a, a nugget that I, I listened to on, on the Sox Prospects podcast was that Maza and a few of the other guys who they have snuck through uh, as DFAs um, have these split contracts that guarantee them 800000 bucks. Um, so it's kind of like a deterrent to other teams to claim them. Um, and apparently because he has one of those, you know, a team would have to pay him that much money. So it's it's an indirect way of the Red Sox flexing their financial muscle in order to $800,000 $800, split contract. Yeah. And I guess the minimum would be, you know, substantially less than that. So it takes out a bunch of those financially uh, conscious clubs from the running of claiming guys like that. So... Yeah, it's a it's kind of a tricky little maneuver there. I'm unconvinced that eight hundred thousand dollars is preventing anything from happening. Well, I don't know. Like some of these teams, like the Pirates and well, whatever. The, pirate, the Pirates know, are not a baseball team. They refuse to acknowledge the existence <laughs> of the Pittsburgh Pirates. But I mean, the Pirates look like a well-run org compared to the Colorado Rockies these days. So I I, I don't want to turn this into a Pirates podcast, but they're projected for like fifty-five wins. So we can pump the brakes on well run anything. I know they're moving in a direction, <laughs> but but I mean I I don't know. Joel Piamps got claimed. Um, it just I mean designating Mazza to me just indicates that they have confidence that guys like Connor Siebold and Brian Mata might be ready sooner than we think. Um, because I mean there's between Piamps and Mazza, I mean those are two starting pitching options and. Their depth right now to start the year is now Tanner Houck, um, Matt Andrees, Garrett Whitlock. I mean, that's not terrible, but I just figured that they would go with a guy like Springs or Walden before they dug more into their pitching, starting pitching depth, especially since Maz is still at an option. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that Maza is out of the org, though. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he definitely know, could... He clear I'd, he will probably clear I thinks so. i don't know probably i i feel like he's better than piamps and piamps got claimed i don't think piamps had one of those eight hundred thousand dollar contracts though man i just i don't want to live in a world where eight hundred thousand dollars is making is having these decisions be made maybe it is welcome to just, hell matt that seems insane <laughs> to me. i just it i think it's true though I think that's where baseball is, that fringy moves, if they're going to cost your organization $300,000 more, you're going to choose to not make the move that costs $300,000 more. That's such trash. Not, I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's true, but that's, that makes me... That, that's making me angry. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's legitimately like getting my blood pressure up. Um, all right, let's, let's not let me have a heart attack on this podcast. Um, <laughs> so they still have to make let's call it one 40 bad move Chris Sale's going to be moved to the 60 day IL I don't know when that can officially happen I don't know if it's when pitchers and catches report or if it's when uh, workouts start or full team workouts but sometime within the next week to 10 days um, mm-hmm. he'll be moved so presumably um, one of Gonzalez or Sawamora will be moved to his spot so who's the next man to be cut? Because they still need to open up one more. Hmm. Walden. It's got to be Walden. I don't think it's got to be Walden. Right. Um, 
Who who would be over Walden for you? It's I don't know that they would be. Walden might be number one. Maybe I think Walden. Maybe Marcus Wilson. Yeah, Walden Wilson and Springs are like the three yeah. to me that stand out. Well, you've talked me into yeah. Springs' viability on this roster too many times. I, so I'm not saying I, I would. Like, I'm saying what I think will happen because I think I am higher on Jeffrey Springs than any. Let's be honest, anybody, frankly, should be at this point. I've kind of talked myself into a corner there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I would probably go Walden. But if you think you can get a outfielder on a minor league deal um, to serve as depth, I think Wilson becomes expendable. I just It feels like Wilson is just out at this point. Maybe I'm misreading the situation, but it just... It's never really yeah. felt like he's made the leap that they were hoping he would. I don't think he's a major leaguer. Um, and, and I think we've seen Marcus Walden get major league batters out, so that would be the argument. It's just that Walden at 32 years old, like, is he going to get it back? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know whether or not that's likely. Uh, I also just think it's likely that you can find somebody off the scrap heap that can do what Wilson can do, so... I don't know. Yeah, I'd probably predict Walden. Um, but I would have predicted him over Maza as well, so who the hell knows. But, <laughs> but I mean, this is one of the arguments yeah. I think that people are making against adding another player is that you're already sort of struggling to find 40-man spots. But to me, if you think you can add, say, Kevin Pillar, he makes your roster that much better... I don't think hanging on to Marcus Wilson or Marcus Walden or Jeffrey Springs is necessarily worth not making that move. No, no, absolutely not. I, I think it would be a crazy argument to think otherwise. Yeah, it seems like it seems like we're getting a little too attached to these uh, bottom of the forty minute players. I really think last year did a number on us when we were like, I don't know, man, they got to keep Jeffrey Springs, so we just have <laughs> Matt Hall and. All these other guys stuck in our mind. Yeah, we got to be honest with ourselves. Poor Matt like, Hall, man. I feel bad. About guy. 15 guys on this 40-man could be gone, and I wouldn't make a difference in my life. Matt Hall is going to be referenced for, like, decades. Oh, <laughs> down just, as just the like, face the of garbage. Of all time. Poor guy. He made, like, three appearances, and that's just... He's still in the organization, too. Maybe you'll see him again this year. The other guy I think that left a Matt Hall-like impression was Ryan Weber as a starter. That was just really, really bad. Yeah, he was pretty good as a reliever, though. Yeah, he was He was fine, um, but, you know, the, the starting yeah, he's, thing he's just... Not a, yeah, I mean, he's like, a, he's like Kyle Hart. Kyle Hart's kind of the same guy just a few years younger. Yep. Um, yeah, so we alluded to it, but spring training does actually start this week. Um, there will be workouts at the end of the week with pitchers and catchers. Uh, position players will report early next week. Um, any specific storylines? Um, any specific non-roster guys you're excited about? Just anything specifically you're excited about with camp getting started? Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, for the non-roster invites, um, excited to see, to see Thad Ward, how he looks uh, after last year because we didn't really get to see anything from him um so i'll be excited to see what his stuff looks like what the reports are there um frank german or herman i don't know how we say that because i've heard it both ways now 
uh, the guy they acquired from the Yankees, he got a non-roster, and then Josh Winkowski. Um, both of those guys new to the organization, so I'll be interested in them. And then um, <clears throat> two um, guys who are already in the Red Sox system who I'm interested in is uh, Seth Blair, who the reports were pretty good on, and then Andrew Politi, whose name has been popping up kind of a lot as a – a bit of a sleeper guy in the Red Sox system. Keith Law really likes him. I'm interested to see what his stuff looks like. So I guess all on the pitching side for me. Yeah, I think I'll go the other way, although I'll start with the pitcher. Um, Durbin Feltman. I have decided I'm going to be the Durbin Feltman guy this year. Um, (laughs) So I'm excited to see what his stuff looks like. Um, I think he has a legitimate chance to pop up again as a legitimate major league option i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he's like totally out of our consciousness by july i also wouldn't be surprised if he's in the majors by july um i mean if that stuff comes yep. back it's he had back of the bullpen stuff just a couple of years ago i'm not ready to give up on him yet so i'm interested to see what he looks like um i'm interested to see nick york um i thought it was really interesting that he got um he got invited to camp just I mean, he was in high school at this time last year. I'm a little thrown off right now because Fangrass has him listed as uh, Mick Abel. <laughs> so, I was yeah, surprised to hell? see a second baseman named Mick Abel um, on the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Nick York is a guy I'm interested in seeing. And then obviously, I mean, Tristan Casas. I just want to see Tristan Casas play baseball. Um, and then I'm interested in hearing about Eduardo Rodriguez and what his statuses um everything has Mm -hmm. just been so positive and so i'm really hoping that i usually am pretty cynical about those kinds of reports um i gotta see it to believe it but i mean i'm really hoping he's coming out and just like on a normal time frame that would be that would make me feel a lot better about this season and just i mean it would make me feel better about last season too because he didn't get it playing but it just it always felt a little gross playing while he was dealing with like very serious issues so um that's probably going to be like the first thing I'm on the lookout for is how is he feeling and what's his training regimen looking like. Yeah, it's just a huge year for for him professionally in all ways. You know, the the fact that he is battling back from something that could have cost him his livelihood to the fact that he's you know uh, going to be playing in his his walk year as well. So he has a lot to prove. I think that he's probably the guy who is going to have the most eyes on him. Uh, I don't think that, with without a doubt, uh, for the returning guys, I think at least, at least until Chris Sale gets back. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's arguably the most important player on the roster. I think they probably need him to be their best starting pitcher if they're going to surprise people this year. Um, if he's just sort of middle of the road and they're counting on Nathan Ovaldi to stay healthy at the top of their rotation or Garrett Richards, um, that's that's a tough spot to be. Yeah, yeah, that's not where you want. All right, uh, let's do some listener questions, and then we will get out of here. Uh, so the first one comes from the surfing guy. Um, he asks, he hasn't heard much about Franchi Cordero's defensive metrics, uh, other than he has elite speed. Uh, so he wants to know if you have any insight how he'll fend uh, in center field or right field at Fenway. Um, do you think he's going to pretty much stick in left field, or do you think they're going to move around a little bit? Um, I think they'll move him around a little bit. Uh, I tried to look this up 
and I found his defensive metrics from 2018. It was a pretty small sample size from that year as well, but kind of all of the years uh, that outs above average have existed, he's played a small sample size. In that year, he was the 123rd ranked um, defensive outfielder um, with a negative two outs above average, and he was pretty much neutral, um, you, you know, in terms of going left to right on the ball, and he lost a little bit going in and going back on the ball. So I think he's probably neutral-ish, um, maybe slightly below average. Yeah, I think he will be fine in left field, especially at Fenway. Yeah, I would probably try to avoid moving him around. Um, despite the speed, I don't think the scouting reports have ever been like super high on his defense. Um, and I mean, like you said, the samples have been tiny, but um, he's been bad by whatever metric you you want to look at. DRS, UZR, <laughs> like you mentioned outs above average. Um, so I mean, I I think they'll probably move him around a little bit, um, just because that's sort of the theme of the year is everybody's going to be moving around. But I think I'm not really expecting much from him other than a left field or like right field at Yankee stadium. That's pretty much their left field. Yeah. That's a joke over there. Um, all right, let's see. Existential judge dread has a couple questions. Uh, first to the Ben attendee trade, uh, how soon are you expecting to know about the players to be named later? I think a month into the minor league season for at least two of them, but I'm not sure if the Mets player to be named later is on the same timeline. That was reported by Peter Gammons. Yeah, so that would be... Do we know if the minor league season's starting in May? Has that been officially announced? I I think the thought is that uh, there's still some chance that uh, AAA starts on time. time. As majors. Right, Right, because it ha- kind of has yeah, to. Um, but uh, the other ones, I think, are going to start in May. Yeah, I'd seen that reported, so that would be June. Um, yeah, by the time that happens, and I would bet by the All Star break, we know all of the players. Yeah, that probably sounds about right. Um, I'd probably go a little bit earlier than that, but who knows? Um, we still never heard anything about Josh Ochich. I'm assuming that just turned to cash. Yeah, I assume it's cash, and I assume we'll hear in, like, a month or something. Uh, let's see. Will the Red Sox sign a free agent for a second base or center field? Uh, we kind of talked about that, but um, I think we both came down as no, but I said I would like to see them, too. I think you probably you said you would stay pat. Um, Man, I guess I don't have any super strong feelings about it. I would, given my choice, I'll probably, I would say I'm like 51%. I would like them to see, sign Kevin Pillar and lose a reliever. Yeah, I'm probably more like 70%. Um, but I, I, I get the, I get the case for a three-man bench. Um, because I think it can happen, you know, like they can make yeah, it Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, there's so much versatility. Yeah. Everybody can play pretty much everywhere. Um... Jake asks, uh, expectations for Alex Verdugo. Can he replicate last year offensively? And uh, what are you expecting from him defensively at center field? So my expectations offensively are he can absolutely replicate what he did last year. Um, I think he's going to get better in a lot of ways, being another year removed from the back issues. Um, 
And he got lucky to have the performance that he did last year in a few ways. There, you know, the expected metrics for what he did last year certainly don't point to the season that he actually had. But uh, in years past, when he's been healthier, his expected metrics were right in line with the type of season that he did produce last year. So again, last year is probably a true talent level for him. But I think that he could maybe gain a little bit more pop as he gets healthier and maybe even a little bit more athleticism that could lead to some some stolen bases. But I think he'll be a solidly average to slightly above average center fielder. So I'm, I'm looking for big things from him. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit lower on Verdugo than a lot of people. Um, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. Um, I'm expecting a drop-off on offense. He had a 126 WRC plus last year. Um, heavily floated by a 371 BABIP. I do think he's skilled enough where he's going to... That that BABIP isn't just going to like fall through the roof and he's going to fall to like a league average hitter, but I think he's probably like a three-win player, um, which is good. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like that's trash. Um, that's a good player, but I just... It seems like he... Some people have been thinking that he... I, I don't buy him making like a star leap at any point. I think he's going to be a four-win player next year. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I mean, I just... I don't see anything offensively that stands out to me that he can keep up a 125 to 130 WRC plus range. Yeah, I'm just trying to bring up his um, his player page here uh, for a second. I think he's good but, at like, everything, but I don't think he's great at anything. So let me just give you some interesting food for thought uh, in terms of his expected metrics. In 2019, uh, his expected batting average was 91st percentile, expected K percentage 93rd percentile, and all of his ex- exit velo, hard hit rate, and all that stuff was like 50%. And he pretty much stayed in in terms of his like baseline metrics exactly what he was in 2020 so you're right like he had a lot of BABIP luck in 2020 uh even though the expected metrics said he should be a lot worse but then last year his exit velo was 20th percentile hard hit 27th you know the expected batting average 33rd percentile so he got really lucky with batted ball stuff but i expect all the other stuff to bounce back to 2019 levels which i think will keep him right at the performance where he's at and his outfielder jump was 98th percentile last year so he's really good in the field in a lot of ways and i think as he learns menway and gets healthier that that's only going to get better yeah i'm not worried about him defensively at all um it's i guess it's just more i think he's a good hitter not a great hitter I haven't really seen anything to suggest to me that he's going to be a great hitter, which is fine. He doesn't need to be. He doesn't. Um, he's a, he should hit at the top of the lineup. A three, a three to three and a half one player is a f- very valuable player. I just don't think he's going to be a star at any point in his career. Yeah, I think we're we're probably a full win off with each other. I see him more as like a four to four and a half win player. And, I mean, I think I'm also a little concerned about health. Um, just because, I mean, he's had back issues. Back issues are not things that tend to go away. But I've also been worried about J.D. Martinez for, like, three years, and that hasn't happened, so very much not a doctor. <laughs> um, Marino out 
asks, uh, are the Red Sox building towards 2022 and accepting they're not good enough to compete in 2021? See, this is an interesting one, man. I, I don't see them as, like, uh, accepting that they're not good enough in 2022. I just think that 2022 is the year that you fully assess what you have here in this roster in order to make accurate organizational choices in 2022 if that makes any sense yeah you know i think that they're going to be much more in in 2020 yeah i mean i think this question is too too black and white and too binary right Um, i certainly think that they acknowledge that they should be better in 2022 than 2021 i think i think they do legitimately believe that they have a road to contention um I probably would argue that their margin for error is slimmer than they probably would. I am not super optimistic. I'm mildly optimistic that they can compete. Um, But, I mean, I don't think this is... This isn't an example of them just tossing this season aside. It's also not an example of them pushing all in. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, It's just interesting looking at this roster, how many guys are not homegrown on this roster right now. They have 11 homegrown guys out of their, uh, the the 42 players listed on their their 40-man roster right now in terms of fan graphs because they still haven't updated some of the upcoming choices. But it's just kind of fascinating. Uh, 16 guys acquired by trade, 11 by free agency, two off waivers, two off rule five. It's it's a really interesting mix that looks nothing like 2018. I would guess that number is higher by the end of the year. Um, of non-homegrown or homegrown? Um, yeah. Who do, who do you see added by the end? Casas and Downs? Uh, maybe Casas, definitely Downs, Mata, um... Oh, on the 40... You're talking 40 men. I was thinking active roster. Yeah. Um, maybe not as many on the 40 men, though. Duran. Yeah, if we're talking just the active, we have three, four, five, six, seven. Seven Downs projected a, on the active. Downs isn't a homegrown player. Does he count as a homegrown yeah. player? I don't know what the definition of homegrown players. Uh, Well, I don't know, because they're, they're counting Sawamura as a homegrown guy, which... Certainly, yeah, it's a that shouldn't be. That's a nitpicking conversation that <laughs> doesn't sound very interesting <laughs> to me. So I'm gonna move on. No, uh, one more question comes from uh, Patty Adcock. Uh, she is wondering about the status of Rodriguez, Evaldi, um, Sale, um, anything that's come out on them. I haven't really heard anything. Sale had the setback, I don't think it was anything too major. Um, and as far as I know. I mean, like I said with Rodriguez, it seems to be all positive. I haven't heard anything about Nate Valdi, which can only be good news. Yeah, I think uh, the the person we have the most recent news on is Sale. I saw a report that the neck thing that he was reportedly dealing with was, like, not an issue at all. Um, and that, that hasn't changed his timeline whatsoever. So I fully expect that those guys' timelines haven't changed at all right now yeah I, based on the info we have yeah i mean i think right now the the question for rodriguez and this is obviously subject to change uh but it's probably more about how many innings he'll be able to throw to start the year um rather than whether or not he'll be on the roster i think right now all signs point to him definitely being on the roster but i wouldn't be surprised if he's on like a four or five inning limit to start the season 
Yeah, I would I would go so far as to say I kind of expect Yeah, that. I did too, but like I said, they've just been so positive about it. It's kind of like freaking me out. Yeah. Like, what is well, going on? It's, Guy, like, couldn't thing. walk on a treadmill until the first day of the offseason. And I don't know. It's it's very strange to me. But again, again, not, not, yeah, not, not a, a doctor. doctor. <laughs> I've always been very bad at the sciences. Um, it's, not, it's not my strong suit. All right. Let's, All right. let's finish this off. <laughs> um, so we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, if you did, please rate review um subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts uh the whole over the monster feed it's going to be picking back up in full swing uh next month and then obviously a couple months in the regular season we'll be really going uh follow us on twitter i run the over the monster account at over the monster jake is at dev jake uh you can read all of our writing at over the monster.com uh did i get everything i think you did until next time guys